Live. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. We need as much money as we can. This is the Press Box. The age difference on this show. With Grady and Bischoff. I'm glad you're the one that went in on the details of how Viagra works. No, come on, I'm feral. Well, that was a boring game. Nothing to talk about here on a Tuesday, ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Ed, Tyler, and Jared, I guess we have to talk about it. The first bite. Did the Raiders win the dumbest game of the season? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, the season hasn't been going. No, I mean, the <laughs> season's a long season. time. What's it? One, game been one week. Just overtime uh, was dumb. Jameis Winston had five touchdowns. Dumbest yeah. game of the season. They listen, but they won. They thought they had a walk-off touchdown pass to Brian Edwards. So much so that Lamar Jackson was out there shaking the hand of Trayvon Mullen. Like so he thought they had yeah. a walk-off. The Ravens were th- that thought it was over. They go review it. Oh no, he was down at the half yard line, and somehow the Raiders don't score from the half yard line because they. Failed a quarterback sneak. Alex Leatherwood took a false start. And then a pass went through Willie Sneed's hands. It was high pass. It was high. Deflected into the air and intercepted. The Raiders had the ball on the half-yard line and couldn't score in overtime. Tyler, they've struggled on short yardage. And then they still won the game. (laughs) Yes. Because Lamar Jackson fumbled. Carl Nassib somehow forced a fumble on him. And they take over in field goal range. And that's not even the end of it. The Raiders wanted to kick a field goal on second down. John Gruden said after the game they couldn't find Daniel Carlson. Well, to what kick did he need to do? Goal. He already kicked a 55-yarder to yeah. force overtime. What's he need to be around so for? They, they, and they already burned their two timeouts in overtime, so they had to take a delay a game. And then they thought, well, we might as well send the offense back out there. And for some reason, Baltimore was like, well, they're, they're not sending gonna, the house, man. They sent everybody. It, so let's play cover zero. And Zay Jones is just wide awesome. open. That way, over, overtime itself was the dumbest five minutes of football we're going to see all year. In five minutes, I will tell you, I'll update you because I'm still deciding. I changed my column angles 87 times. Of course you did. Because I kept saying, I got Edwards. No, I got the loss. No, I got this. I play. I mean, it was just, it was mayhem. And that was like five minutes. I'm like, we're looking at each other because we have to go through the line, down the line, and say, what are you going to do? And we just all kept looking at each other and we have no idea what we're doing. That was the dumbest game of the season. And because that's just overtime. That beyond overtime, that's the first time since 1998 that the Ravens have lost a game in which they had a 14 point lead at any point in the game. Yeah. First time since '98. That was one of the that's one of the weird video game stats to come after the fact, and you're like, wait a minute, did that just did I just read that right? I mean, 81 and 0 in regular season with Harbaugh up 14, which it, it's not even a real. St- I mean, the, you read that stat, go, that can't even be right. real. That can't be real. That can't be a real stat. The Raiders got the ball with 37 seconds left, no timeouts left, down three, and yeah. just yep, two completions to a guy who hadn't caught a pass yeah. all game. In Brian Edwards. Big oh. game player. Big game player. We're in big game. <laughs> big game Big play. moments. Big moments. He didn't, big moment. he big second. He didn't do anything in the entire game until there was big 30 second seconds player. left. And then, oh, yeah, our kicker, oh, 55 yards, no problem. Daniel Carlson nails he it. He nailed that thing. Not even close yeah, to Yeah, he nailed it. that thing. Like, that, this was the dumbest game of the season. I, we're not going to top it the entire season. No, it's impossible to top the overtime. There's just no chance. There's no chance. Like last year when they played the Chargers in overtime, there was like a fun end because Donald Parham thought he caught it. They reviewed it. No, it was incomplete. Right. That was that wasn't much. That's an app. That's not even an appetizer to what we saw last night. The Raiders leading rusher until the fourth quarter was Marcus Mariota on one carry. I wish they would have thrown to Waller a lot last night. 
<laughs> he, that guy might have had 10 targets after like six seconds. Like It's like he had so many targets early that you're just like, how many? And he ends up with 19 targets, which Incredible. in a way is impressive. And in another way is, and they're bracketing him too. And he and Carr kept throwing it to him. It's like, you know, they're bracketing him, right? But he kept throwing it. Like he, he goes, I am forcing this issue. I'm just going to throw to this guy cause all night. It is uh, funny once, you know. He stopped throwing to Darren Waller on every drive. They ended up scoring some points yeah. there. Like, Joker had a few plays. Yeah, Kenyon Drake didn't do anything until Joker. the second half. And but he had a few like, plays in the second half. We yeah. should throw to the Joker every yeah, now and then. They started involving the Joker and Jacobs and others like, well, that might be a good thing instead of throwing every pass to Darren Waller. <laughs> what a stupid game. All right, so... <laughs> Actual, it's a fun game. Well, actual, not, for, like, not for us writing it. Big picture analysis. Does this make you like more of a believer they're going to be a playoff team? No. No? Okay. No, I just I mean, can't. I can't watch Ravens. it. And... They beat the Ravens. <laughs> I know they did. Well, you didn't give me credit. I did, I, did, I did predict they would win. You did. Much lower scoring than what it ended well, up being. It was the Raiders on Monday yeah. Night Football against the Ravens. They're down 14-0. I mean, I'll, I'm going to take the win. I'm going to take the win and, and talk about it, never mind what the score was. Uh, no, I don't I don't think so. Now, you know, here we go again. If they're 2-0 against Pittsburgh, maybe I'd change my mind. They, maybe. they win. But do you? Does this, do you think they're going to? Because you had them, what, like 9-8, eight, 8-9. Eight eight nine. Nine. Okay. Yeah. So they're nine and eight. They can't get in at nine and eight. I think they're more likely to make it now. I mean, that's a that's a well, win that I didn't expect yeah. them to get. Um, so yeah, I think they're more likely. I think the the big question for me is how much better is this defense? Because the defense looked better in this game. They forced the two turnovers. They got the big fumble in overtime to set the Raiders back up to the offense back up to win the game in overtime and. Yeah, they gave up 27 points, but the Ravens are a good offense. And I, I thought the defense was improved, but I'm not sold they're going to be good the entirety of the no, season. but I did think the front did a lot of good things. Yes. And I'll tell you what, the Ravens going forward, they got some issues on the offensive line. It so. was two teams came into this yeah, game with, with, with issues on the offensive line, beat up whatever offensive lines. And the Raiders offensive line had some critical mistakes. Andre James snapped no one one time, but... I would walk away from that saying the Raiders' offensive line looks like it's going to be better going forward because Derek Carr was not under pressure. And they'll get incognito back. Right. And he was not under pressure the entirety of the game, whereas the Ravens, Lamar Jackson was under pressure on over 50% of his dropbacks last night. So Max Crosby had a monster game last night. So if you're looking at the defense, like a huge game from Max Crosby, like that could be something going forward where does he actually have a great season? Like he's been a very good player, but it's always been sort of couched as, yeah, he's a fourth round pick. Great fourth round pick. Can he be a legitimate like, yeah, this guy's a great edge rusher in the NFL. He looked like it last night. One game. We'll see what he looks like the rest of the way, but he did look like it last night. He looked very good. Um, they got to be they got to be careful there with the injuries. And Gakwe goes out with a hammy. Uh, Gerald McCoy on a knee when you're carted off. Not usually a good yeah. thing. Uh, they are already down two linebackers, so you get you get a little dicey there. Right. You can drop a few more guys. All of a sudden, that defense looked really good. Doesn't look very good. Yeah. So the, the couple of things that I still think are a concern going forward. Tackling, because the Ravens, the Ravens almost won that game in regulation and prevented us from watching the dumbest overtime period in the NFL. But the biggest run of regulation was Lamar Jackson's 27 yard run to get the Ravens mm-hmm. in the field goal range with like 90 seconds left. The Raiders missed three tackles yeah. on that play, three of them. And that's like that. What that was the play of the game until the Raiders tied it up. Like that was the play that won the game yes. for the Ravens. Right. And they missed three tackles on it. And that's what we would be talking about to open the show 
is that play had the Ravens held on to win in regulation is, hey, they missed three tackles on the biggest play of the game. The defense still can't tackle. The other concern I have is the Ravens didn't take many shots down the field. Now, you can give some credit to the Raiders for getting pressure on Lamar Jackson and not allowing that to develop, but I only remember two shots down the field from Lamar Jackson. One he threw out of bounds, and one was the big completion to Sammy Watkins. For some reason, Nick Kwiatkowski uh, was defending Yeah, 40-plus. That right. was really the only one. I think there's still question marks as to can the Raiders secondary defend deep down the field, like when these guys get put in one-on-one situations. But the Ravens are not an offense that really does a lot of that. They also don't have what would be their top two wide receivers if they were fully healthy. So that is going forward. I still think that's something that they didn't prove themselves. So I still have concerns, but I will say the defense was better than I expected last night. And so there's reason to be optimistic going forward, especially about that front four and the way Max Crosby got after the quarterback. Yeah. One thing that I thought was on the other side of the ball. And it's funny because Brian Edwards didn't make a catch, I think until 37 seconds left in regulation. <laughs> then he had four for like 80, which was very bizarre. Um, despite that, I still think there's more upside and you can do more with Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. I still oh. am not a believer in any way yet on Henry Ruggs. Now, again, I don't, you can help me here. I, I should have known this, but there was a lot going on. Three or four targets. I don't know. What uh, his, I, don't, I don't know what his targets Ruggs were. had five targets. Okay, five, two for 46. Two for 46. And Edwards had they five targets just, as well. He just seems to struggle, whether it's him, the plays. I don't know. But I, I, I and it's again, they didn't do anything with Edwards till the end, but I just see more upside with him. I think right. you can do more things well, with Brian Edwards. We, okay. The, the Ravens had. Third and what? Third and four, I think, in field goal range with just over a minute to go. And Lamar Jackson scrambled for two yards, and that was, and then they kicked the field He's goal. He's setting up the down. best kicker in football. Right. Yeah. If Lamar Jackson scrambles for a first down, if he gets two more it's yards over. on that play, the Ravens run the clock down to three. Tucker makes a game winning yeah. field goal. And Brian Edwards ends that game with zero right. catches. Zero. Yeah. Because he didn't have one until the Raiders' next right. drive. Yeah, two, is, two big ones on that. Yes, drive. and now, of course, you look back at it, and Brian Edwards had like three of the four biggest catches of the game, the two to set up the field goal in regulation, and then it didn't set up the actual touchdown, but it was a massive catch Huge that he catch. almost scored the touchdown on. Like, we are talking about why the hell didn't Brian Edwards catch a single yeah. pass if Lamar Jackson gets two more yards. That's how close we are to Brian Edwards being a complete non-factor in this game. I know, and I'm still going to tell you that I think there's more upside to him than there Ruggs. There is. Yeah, I think there I is, just, too. Like, I think there's more upside to him. I don't know what we're I'm doing not going to go back Ruggs. through every play and wonder why he wasn't targeted on some. The one Here's the one thing. The one thing, I don't know if it was the right call or not. Let's say the Ravens, like you said, finish it off because he's not going to miss a kick ever, and they win the game. The one thing you'll remember about Brian Edwards is the OPI, the offensive pass right. interference on the Waller catch. That's yeah. the only thing. I heard his name mentioned until like the last 37 yeah. seconds. They started catching balls all over the place. So that, that's how close we were to Brian Edwards being a complete non-factor in this game, which is crazy to think because he ended up being the number two receiver yeah. on the team in the game behind Darren Waller. So it is the Raiders are going to have to figure out how to work the wide receivers more into this passing game because you, you look at the targets again, Waller dominated with 19 and listen, Waller's awesome. I don't think there's, Maybe no. not 19 times, but there's not too much crazy thoughts about throwing to him 19 times. But then, like, Hunter Renfro had nine. Kenyon Drake had five. Like, Alec Ingold had four. Like, there was a long portion of this game where Alec Ingold was more productive than Ruggs and Edwards. That was surprising. That I heard Alec Ingold's name last night more than I think I heard all last season. And they involved him. And, again, I don't – I'm not going to sit here. I'm, I'm sure Gruden will talk more about it today when we talk to him today about, like, what he saw in film and what they took away and what they didn't. 
but I'm still on the outside looking in on on Henry Ruggs. It was, I mean, it wasn't until the fourth quarter and late in the fourth quarter that Derek Carr even really threw to Edwards or Ruggs right. in that game. Like neither one oh, of them was really involved in that. Through four game quarters, until it was end. it was tight ends or running backs. Yeah, and that was it. So, how do you get? the end of that game in terms of who you're targeting more, more and consistently. More Cause here, here's the thing on Darren Waller. He gets targeted 19 times in this game. He's still over a hundred yards, but we saw it last year when they played new England, the Patriots were able to take Darren Waller out of that game. And if the Raiders this year don't have a competent wide receiver, like Nelson Aguilar was last year, Nelson Aguilar took a lot of advantage of Darren Waller being the number one option. If they don't have that this year, this passing game is going to have some struggles. This passing game is going to, Look like it did in the first two quarters of that game. I mean, is Renfro the guy? He's he's always this quiet guy. He goes like last night. He goes six or seven. He hit the huge play down the uh, down the sideline. Actually, um, I like him a lot, but I don't know if he's that guy. No. Maybe, maybe Hunter Renfro kind of is what he's been, which is really solid. He doesn't he doesn't miss much when when you throw it to him. And maybe he's just not that guy. But maybe Brian Edwards is that guy though. I, I, you have to yeah. throw it to him. You got to keep throwing it to yeah. him um, because there will be not that people don't know how good Darren Waller is, but like you said, there will be New England efforts where they will just say you have to throw to someone else because we just won't let him do these right. things. And somebody has to step up. Aguilar did it last year, and Aguilar was pretty good in that role. Somebody has to step up in that role, and Derek Carr has to give somebody that mm-hmm. opportunity too. That's the other thing; he has to look for them, right, and not try to. Always kind of force yeah. it to Waller, no matter how good Waller is, and he's obviously great. So the wide receiver game, it's interesting because we were very close to having them basically be non-factors in this game. But at the end of the day, Brian Edwards, yeah, a lot of hype coming out of that one. Coming up next, Urban Meyer's going to USC, right? Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Steve Cofield and his company are nuts. On this show, we've got people who are adventurous, and then we've got the very disliked Ari, who is basically against trying anything that's not clean. How about this one? A hot chicken ice cream sandwich. I don't know how you can say anything, but my lord, this looks awesome! Why would you not want ice cream with the hot chicken? Because we do a show with the most boring person ever when it comes to cuisine. He, He stinks. It's Cofield and Company, weekdays on the Afternoon Drive. Cover two man. Eli, what'd you do? You set the alarm. We we perfect. A fire perfect. Alarm. Fire alarm. <laughs> While we're watching the game. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ray, you're the best, man. Thanks for joining us, man. It's been a lot of hey, fun. Man. Thanks so much, Ray. Hey, I learned a lot. Brothers. Appreciate, I appreciate brothers. that 0.0. <laughs> 0.0. Zero. Hey, zero. I, I talk about it at barbecues. <laughs> It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. I'm not sure if Eli and Peyton is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to football broadcasting or the worst thing that's ever happened to football broadcasting. They've rolled with a fire alarm. I didn't see it, um, but I saw on Twitter people loved it. There's not much Peyton's done in post-career people don't like, though. Right, but I don't love, know about Eli. They love it because it's just kind of a disaster yeah <laughs> it's, yeah it's, I mean, it's kind of two doofuses i mean people are slowing down right now somewhere sadly because there's an accident i mean people like chaos so <laughs> you know i mean it's just, that's what we that's what we are as society i like i said i only saw twitter i didn't see much negative about it people seem to like it so urban meyer didn't have a good week one in the nfl lost to the houston texans of all teams 37 to 21 
Before that game, there was a report from CBS Sports. No, I'll read it to you. He has everyone looking over their shoulders already. One source with direct knowledge of daily operations in Jacksonville said he becomes unhinged way too easily. And he doesn't know how to handle losing. Even in the preseason, he loses it and wants to take over the drills himself. It's not good. Another source said you can't freak out about preseason games and belittle your coaches on a staff. You handpicked every time things don't go your way. It's not going to work here. That was before week one. And then they got blown out by the Houston Texans who (laughs) should not be good this year. Shouldn't be blowing anybody out. How long do you think urban Meyer is actually the coach in Jacksonville? I think longer um, than maybe people think. I know the USC jobs open and actually a year ago, that was, he was the leading candidate. Everyone said, if Clay Elton gets fired, this is interesting because I talked to two former players last night about him And they both said the same thing, much like Saban, much like Chip Kelly. uh, You either learn it or you don't, that you're now dealing with professional and men. And never mind the Ohio State senior starter, all-star quarterback. You're not even dealing with the Ohio State freshman. Like, you've got to learn how to deal with professionals and men. And it was Lincoln Kennedy and Kirk Morrison who both said that's where these guys who are great college coaches struggle. They come up and they try to teach it like a college program. They want all power. They want to be completely self-encompassing where they decide everything. Um, His ego is such – and it was someone made fun last night. Well, what if he leaves? Who is he only going to hurt? Jacksonville. Who cares about Jacksonville? But I think his ego is such that even if SC called – he wouldn't allow him to self because if he leaves right now, he's you know, after this year, he's just going to, you know, he failed. I mean, everyone's going to say you failed. And I don't think he wants that on him, um, even though in the back of his mind, he might think, man, I'd like the SC job and I'd like to go take that job and go back to college. I don't think he's one to say he failed. I think his ego is way too big for that. Life would be much better in L.A. coaching USC. Yes, it, it would be for him. Jacksonville coaching yeah, for him. Jags. Like, what if they go 0 16? Well, then, 17. I was going to say, game. then he's really bad because then he didn't show up for the last game. <laughs> it's like, I'm not showing up. We're on 16. I'm going to SC. I know you guys have a game this week. Um, I, I don't Like I said, if he goes 0 17, maybe there's a discussion between him and management. Anyone that's today, urban LA looks good. If it's ultimately his choice, well, it, while he might want that SC job, I mean, other than Saban. I don't know if there's a bigger ego in all of all of football than Urban Meyer. So I think him leaving after a year, he would con- he would he would be upset that people considered him a complete failure, even though in the long run, I think it would be best for him because I think he'd go to SC and win at a very high rate. So that's interesting that you think his ego would keep him at Jacksonville right. longer. Cause I kind of feel like it would make him leave Jacksonville sooner. Because, well, after one year though? Yeah, because it, like if they are a two win team this year or, or an zero and 17 team. They lost the Texans by 16. So that's certainly on the table. Like you, you talk, listen, these quotes are about him, him becoming unhinged over preseason games, that he can't handle losing preseason games and that his coaching staff doesn't like the way they're being treated in the preseason. If we talk about 17 weeks where they lose a regular season game, I kind of view that the ego and the whole how does Urban Meyer view himself and view football as him saying, well, the USC job's open, so I'm taking that because I'm much more likely to be good there than I am here. Um, I'm not so sure. I just I don't think he'd leave. First of all, and look, you're right in the sense that SC doesn't come over open very often. Year to year, jobs like that don't come open. So 
no matter when he goes back, if he wants to go back, he gets whatever college job he wants. It's just that the great, great ones usually aren't open all the time. Um, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame might be open uh, eventually. Um, so, you know, does he go back for the mid-level power five job? I don't know if he would do that because he's if he's going back, he's winning. He's just not going to go back somewhere, you know, that he thinks, oh, man, I'm going to go lose at this thing. Um, go ahead, Jared. Oh, I was going to say, is he uh, more likely to be Bobby Petrino or is he more likely to be Pete Carroll where like one year in the league or one or two years in the league? And then he's like, you know what? USC sounds great. He might. He might be Pete Carroll. I'm going to go chew some gum. Pete Carroll had a good comment last night. I don't want that job. They haven't called me. Because so, are you going back to SCP? Well, I don't want that job. They haven't called me. Pete Carroll's also like 75 and in That's, incredible shape. Yeah. Where Urban Meyer every two yeah. years is like has to step away. My chest has to step away. Well, when you go back to those health problems, what would Owen 17 do to him? I mean, if he's this unhinged, like you said at this point, if he keeps losing, and look, no one wants him to have health problems. But Jared's right. I mean, you don't want that. But he has stepped away a few times because he's had. Yeah. Heart problems and health problems because he's so intense in his profession. And that's when Ohio State finished what eleven and two. Like, <laughs> like that's the worst it ever got there. Or Ryan something Day like stepped that. in. It's like yeah. ah, I can do this yeah. because we have like thirty thousand five stars, and what, it really doesn't matter. What was our recruiting ranking? Yeah, one. And last year, one. And the year before that, what? I got it, guys. I did see him several times uh, during that game. When they didn't do something well, he appeared to be searching for whatever position coach that uh, the position that didn't do very well to uh, say something. Um, he hates. Lo- I mean, there's nothing wrong with hate losing, but again, I was talking to these players last night who played in the league a long time, and they said it's Chip, it's it's Chip Kelly, it's Nick Saban. They just can't grasp not having complete and utter control over everything. They don't know how to function when you're supposed to delegate at that level and you're supposed to let players handle a lot of their stuff internally in that locker room and he wants complete control, they don't think it's going to work. I don't know if they think he's taking the SC job, but they just ultimately said it's just not going to work with him. So let me ask you this on the Jaguars off of Urban Meyer. Still convinced Trevor Lawrence is going to be good? I do. I think I, I, I do. Well, yeah. I mean, I watched him the other day. One of the picks wasn't his fault, but I, I think he's going to be good. I like him. Now, again, is he going to be good under Urban? I, I don't know. He's, I think he's good. I think he's really good. Yeah. It's so he only completed 55% of his passes in that game, 28 of 51, uh, and through the three picks. But again, I go back to the you look at the Jaguars, they've got three good receivers. Like not great, but like DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, and LaVisca Chenault are three solid receivers. And then you throw in like James Robinson, who apparently got supplanted by Carlos Hyde in the game as the yeah. running back. But yeah. still, they've got decent skill position guys on that team. I think the offense is going to be fine at the end of the day in Jacksonville, yeah. but it was the problem. Is, again, I can't, I keep going back to it was the Texans. Like that game was against the Texans. It's not like they played a good team no. and they didn't look good. They lost by 16 to the Texans. The best, the best part was the post game where a bunch of the Texans players are like, people underestimated our defense. People underestimated our offense. It's like, yeah, of course we did. <laughs> Hell are you talking about? Mark Ingram was their best running back. <laughs> I did like how uh, there's Carlos Hyde, who's 116. He's like he's beating out someone else as the backup now. I, I assume Frank Gore shows up and just gets that job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show.
Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. That was a high, well, highlight's not the right word. That was the audio of Cardinal shortstop Edmundo Sosa trying to make a throw to first base and drilling the umpire who's making the call at first base in the face. And if you know anything about baseball, the umpire making that call uh, five to ten feet away from first base. I won't say who, but someone in the press box at that moment screamed, oh, and I'm like, and nothing happened in the game. Like, there's a timeout. And he, like, turned his, turned his computer, and I saw it. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. Uh, David Roth joins us now from the defector. Uh, David, how many times have you seen an umpire drilled in the head like that? Uh, zero, actually. Great question. <laughs> zero times. It's amazing to me that that happened in a Mets game and the Mets were really not involved in it in any way. <laughs> okay. On, on the Mets, they had a fun game against the Yankees. Are the Yankees whistling cheaters? <laughs> I mean... In order for me to get myself up for a rivalry that's now between two teams at the very fringes of the wild card thing, yeah, I hate them. <laughs> uh, I think probably, yeah. I mean, like, but I think most teams do something like that. I will say that at this point, like, it took all year, and the Mets are a third place team, and and well, you know, they'll, I think they'll wind up around there. But I think that uh, Lindor has achieved. Uh, Mets status, both in the fact that he's had a pretty disappointing year and in the fact that he like did something super brassy and nasty and it made people mad and now everybody loves him. <laughs> I hope he can keep it going for the length of his contract. I mean, if he hits one dramatic home run against the Yankees every year for the next 10 years <laughs> and then the rest of it is like, you know, Nafi Perez level production <laughs> like he's had the rest of the year, like I think I can probably live with that. David, please tell us you watched that football game last night. Yeah. I was hooting. Like, it was seriously, I think I have not laughed aloud at a football game. And, I mean, you know, we haven't had that many. The uh, the interception off the helmet oh, in the end zone yes. to me, like, as somebody who didn't have a rooting interest in it, I was like, this game, possibly, like, somehow this is going to happen, and it's just going to happen again and again, and this game will last all night. Like, they'll just turn the clock off, and teams will continue turning the ball over in really dramatic ways. Uh, that was because I had forgotten that Zay Jones was even still in the NFL. <laughs> so it was uh, as fun of a regular season football game as I think I can remember. I have no idea what it indicates about either team. Like the whole thing was just happening in the stupid zone. And so I don't know what it means. But yeah, it was a blast. Yeah, well, Can't ask for much more from a first home game with people at it than that. Tyler said it's the stupidest game he's ever seen. It certainly is. And like. <laughs> And again, as somebody like I'm not a Jets fan, but I grew up around here enough that like I've seen a lot of Jets games that like just an average Jets game is like 50% stupider than a normal game. Like I saw the game where Greg Williams called for like a full-on blitz in what was technically a prevent defense situation, and they lost. Like I've seen some dumb stuff, but I have never seen one where it was just going back and forth like that. That was against the Raiders last year when they called yep. the, the yeah. cover zero blitz. Raiders are involved in yeah. these things. And hell, that's technically what the Ravens did last night, too, on the game-winning <laughs> touchdown. So the Raiders yeah. can only win if the other team calls cover zero blitz and Derek Carr <laughs> just chucks it up in the air. Yeah, I mean, it was really, like, it, it was hard to say at that point that it was, like, a strategic miscalculation or whatever because it just sort of felt like this is going to sound very, like, 
Marianne Williamson, like, crystal visions thing. It just sort of seemed like the universe wanted that play to happen at that point. Like, I watched it over again, and it's like, you can see how the football play is developing, but, like, I don't know, like, he's the only guy on that side of the field. Like, I can't tell what type of route that is. Like, it's just sort of a bizarre, broken play that wound up being uh, incredibly perfect and cool. Okay, do you think the universe wanted the Raiders to win, but they kept trying to lose the game, and eventually the universe won out last night? I think there's some very powerful forces at work there, and I'm not going to pretend to understand them. I think you need to have, uh, like, whoever uh, Mark Davis's spiritual advisor is, whoever told him where to put his mansion and how to make it look, that's the guy that understands, like, the desert spirits that were uh, making all that go down. So was the universe against Aaron Rodgers this week? Is like, all right, you you threatened this, you did all these things, you, you had all the headlines, you made news, and now look at you. It, I really was baffled by that. I have, um, not to, you know, I don't want to talk about my fantasy team early in the morning, <laughs> your time, my time, whatever. have kind of a long position on the Packers this year. I really thought that they would have some, like, I didn't think that they would score three points per game. Uh, I don't think that's sustainable, but, like, yeah, it's, it's pretty baffling. I'd seen, you know, I'm not, like, the hugest, I'm, like, an agnostic on Rodgers. I think he's, like, when he's right, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen, probably, but, like, I'm not, like, you know, I am not a Packers fan. I don't really have, like, any vested rooting interest in him. I will say that the criticisms that I saw of him where people were like, maybe you should have spent less time hosting Jeopardy and more time practicing <laughs> football. There was, like, NFL writers saying stuff like that. And, like, I don't think he was distracted because he did five episodes of Jeopardy or, like, went hiking with Miles Teller. Like, he's allowed <laughs> to, like, leave the house during the offseason. <laughs> But how it wound up as bad as it did, I mean, like, that's just not, you shouldn't have the whole offense get bricked up like that in week one. Like, the Jags scored three times, you know? Like, so how did that even happen? Wait, wait, wait. We're going all in on Aaron Rodgers' sabotaging the Packers season. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, if that was the next step, if he was just, like, slow rolling it, like, doing, like, just deciding that he was, uh, like, in an operation shutdown sort of scenario for the rest of the year, He's like, I'm only thrown to Tunyon, and I'm only thrown very low. <laughs> like, that would be an effective protest. But that doesn't explain why Aaron Jones had nine yards of rushing either. Like, it's just something is, is clearly sort of off there. Could you catch a cat falling from the sky with an American flag? I would be honored to try. <laughs> that was sincerely one of the most amazing highlights I've ever seen. I was this is sort of what the dynamic in our, our marriage is like. I have a very not online wife, and I'm more online than I probably should be for my own health. But sometimes it means I have to explain highlights to her to see if she would like to see them. And so that was one where, like, just to get her to watch the video, I had to answer a bunch of questions that I didn't really have an answer to. Like, she was like, so who brought their cat to the game? I, was like, I don't think anyone brought their cat. She was like, so why is the cat at the stadium? And I was like, do you want to see this video or do you not want to see this video? Because, like, I feel like we're, we're, getting, we're going in circles here. But okay, so the idea that there is like a, a series, probably more than one stray cat just living in the hard rock. Oh, yeah stadium periodically getting really upset when there's like Miami home games is I don't know that's kind of wonderful it feels like a children's book 
So she wasn't like my wife who said, why did someone throw the cat off the top of the building? <laughs> See, that is like probably more like that's somebody that understands college sports a little bit more. Where they were like, so what is this like a thing they do every time they yeah, kick they the field throw goal? the cat away. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like throwing squid on the ice when the, like, the uh, Red Wings do something. You got like, Thankfully, that is not, I mean, I don't know as a society how many years we are away from everybody just throwing their cats in the air every time, every time Florida State. Course. But like, I guess you can probably see it from here. Which uh, stadium in the U.S. has the most stray animals living in it? I mean, just this season, it seems like City Field has a lot. Like, I mean, there was whether or not, I know that the story that Lindor told he and Jeff McNeil got in a fist fight, and then he was like, "Oh, it was because we saw a raccoon or something in the." But like, if you told me that there's many raccoons in City Field, like, yeah, for sure. Like, that neighborhood doesn't have people living in it. It's just, uh, like, sketchy auto body shops and a salt marsh. Uh, it's, it's so, like, if it turned out that there were, like, elk in the stadium, I would not necessarily be surprised. Like, there's nothing around it one way or the other. I've never seen, though, like, in my limited time in, like, covering games in different stadiums, I've never seen any wildlife inside. And now I feel like I just wasn't looking enough. So you weren't in a press box as I was in Oakland last year when writing on deadline from atop the uh, stairs there in the press box, we heard, oh, my God, there's mice in the Coke machine. Oh, God. (laughs) That stadium rules, dude. Every year it's a different thing. That is – what were they doing? Just playing around? It was two years ago. Obviously, last year they are legion with no one there, but we literally heard someone scream that, and we just kept writing because, like, it didn't phase us at all. Like, yeah, we've yeah. been drinking this RC Cola, which, by the way, RC Cola, to begin with, it wasn't even, you know, regular, like, what you expect. And then, obviously, they were just kind of swimming around having their day. I love that that's the soda that you can get. And yes, it's perfectly exactly. over yes, to it. Yes. You can get a tab. Yes. You can get an RC Cola. Yes. Uh, there's a discontinued <laughs> version of Sunkissed uh, that's made entirely with carcinogens. You should not have that. And Mellow Yellow. <laughs> yes. He, <laughs> yeah, right. He is David Roth from The Defector. David, as always, we appreciate your time this Thanks, morning. Thanks, David. Thanks, guys. Have a good okay, one. You too. City Field, he went right to it. Like of all the places, right to City Field. All right, coming up next, it's Grainy's Grades. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Grainy. Grainy's Grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Grace, Grace. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grainy's Grades. First topic to grade is Max Crosby. Oh, come on. Throwing me like a softball for Grady's grades. A. A. That's it? That's it. No A plus? Nah. Solid. I mean, we can't, you know, kind of want to go overreaction here. I I don't want overreaction Tuesday. I thought he was I'm not asking you to put him in the Hall of Fame. I'm asking you to grade his first week.
No, I thought he was great. Two wow. sacks, a lot of hurries. Why are you hating I on Max Crosby? A plus. A, a plus. Right. He was, was, he was We're starting off with an easy one. Yeah, he was great in that game. Can we get to Cassie and the hot dog? <laughs> what was up with his eye black? Why? What did he? Did he have it on one side? He had like a plus sign or something. It was very strange. And then again, I was watching on a very small laptop. So <laughs> multiple Raiders had eye black on just one under one eye last night, and I. It's is there some dude with... tried that and it becomes a thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, I thought that like maybe Allegiant has bad lighting. Well, at one point in the fourth quarter, they turned the lights out. And they, you know how they all have yeah. everyone in their sheets have the blue blinking and things. And if I'm the Ravens, I'm like, all right, let's get, let's stop with the Vegas stuff here. Can you turn the lights back on? By right. the way, did you see the uh, pregame? They they did a uh, let's say a Golden Knights theme. Did you see that? They had like the pregame video and these no, guys I were didn't out in the desert. It. And the only thing missing was that crazy Golden Knights guy with the with the sword. Oh. That guy. They didn't like shoot a. They didn't Raven. have a guy. No, no one sky. was shooting the, uh, arrows or anything. There wasn't cowboys and helicopters. No, there wasn't that, but there were some Golden Knights at the game. They got on the video screen for about six seconds. Next topic, Gladys Knight. Oh, A++. A++. That was wonderful. Wonderful rendition. Uh, It's more of an A++ because you have no clue who she is. Am I supposed to know who Gladys Knight is? Yes. Okay, because lots of people were excited about, ooh, Gladys Knight. I was like, I don't know who this woman is. You I've never it? seen her before in my life. Yeah. The I, worst. wasn't like I was paying attention. I don't know who the hell Gladys Knight is. Why would I pay that much attention? So what'd you give her? I didn't pay enough attention to give her a grade. I just don't incomplete? know who she is. Yeah, incomplete. I will. Oh, I do have a grade for this. Incomplete. During the national anthem. Uh, I'm giving an F. F. I don't know who I'm giving it to. They did a flyover. They did. I, I saw that. I saw a, that. At a domed stadium. Yeah. What are we doing? Why are we I don't doing know, flyovers at a domed stadium? The only time you know it's coming if you look through... The doors by the fl- by the flame, you see them coming, and then you just hear it. It's very strange. Why are we doing flyovers at dome right. stadiums? What are we doing here? Like it's it's pointless. They and they put them on TV for like half a second. They're like, ooh, but like you can't see them. You're you guys are inside. It's ridiculous. That gets enough. All right, next F. topic to grade is Cleveland Furl D D for don't know. So everyone assumed it was a healthy scratch, which it could have been. But he also dealt with a back the whole week and was limited with a back, uh, I, don't, I don't know, if injury, soreness, whatever it was. So I don't really know. So it's a D incomplete for me. Uh, I will say this about him. I will say this about him. If it was a healthy scratch, I'll give him somewhat credit because if you watch him on the sideline, he was into every play. He was excited. Oh. It was He wasn't acting like a guy who was mad if he was a healthy scratch. It's pro- I'm going to bo- – that's the thing. I think it was a healthy scratch – but I was told by one of the beat writers, if it's a healthy scratch and he's not playing up to it, Gruden will have no problem saying that. And he was at a couple asked him, and he said, "No, it's the back, not in the in, away from the podium." And he said, "No, it's the back." So I just don't know. Isn't, he was into the game. Isn't that, that breaking NFL rules? If if Cleveland Furl couldn't play because of an know. injury, you have to list yeah. him on the injury. So report. maybe he's a healthy scratch, and, and that's yeah, that's probably yeah. it. I and don't. He was he was not listed as yeah. questionable or doubtful. No. He was listed as healthy, as good to go. So he I, might have a back problem, but like if he got scratched because of an injury, the Raiders broke yeah. the NFL. So rules. it's a health. Right. So I'm going to say it's a healthy scratch because yeah. I don't think they that would make no sense in doing that if it's a back. Say it. right because like. Josh Jacobs is a perfect example. Like you have to update the injury report when Josh Jacobs gets yeah. sick the night before a game. Jared, I refuse. I, I um, have the right now. Give him an F. 
Because if he's a healthy if. scratch and he's a fourth overall pick, he doesn't need to be healthy scratch at this point. Fourth overall pick, third year in the league and a healthy scratch. And here's here's the other part of this. Not only was Cleveland Furl a healthy scratch, Malcolm Kuntz, their third round pick in this most recent draft, was also a healthy scratch, which means the Raiders started that game last night with three defensive ends. Yeah. And then Yannick Ngakwe got hurt during the game. And so Solomon Thomas had to move from the interior to defensive end because they, they only had Carl Nassib and Max Crosby from that point. Like not only did Cleveland Furl get scratched from the game, they didn't even replace. It's not even because, Oh, another defensive end was good. Like they just said, eh, you're not good enough to play right now. And maybe his back made him not good enough to play, but like, that's brutal for your anybody to be picked overall in the top pick, yes. five. Yes. Three years later to be a healthy scratch yes. is brutal. No, he should and, be a huge producer if it's the fourth overall pick. And if you go back, yeah, Mike Mayock just said, yeah, I'm probably getting fired if we don't win more games. Guess who his first pick was? All right, here's one for you. Cassie Soto's hot dog donuts. B. B. Beef of buffoonery. Why does she do these things? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why she has to do these things. She loves the donuts. It's what I, Raiders.com pays her for. That's true. Raiders.com pays her to evaluate the donuts. and uh, So it's a B for buffoonery on her. Those donuts. Did you see the donut bar? I did. Yes. Man, that was crazy. A lot of donuts. Yeah, a lot of donuts. I'm going to give donuts. the hot dog donut an F. Because, for even having a hot dog well, donut. Well, because I would have bitten into it thinking, oh, this is going to taste like mustard and ketchup. And then, no, it's just straight sugar. Yes, sugar. Uh, last one for you. This from a listener, Xander, oh, yes. who tweeted, little known fact. Nevada State College has a crew team that practices at Lake Las Vegas. A plus, I win. Victory for me. You got it right. There's a crew team in this town. It's an F for Xander. No, Xander, way to go, buddy. F.